Today is Wednesday, the 7th of October, and this is Music 316. At this point, you know that we're covering the music of China, and it would make sense of you to download the listening, listening notes for our first CD. And these are in the CD listening notes section of the website. The listening notes look like this. CD1 China. Next to that download in the website is a download for um, China, the Eight Sounds Musical Instruments. And that is a chart showing eight kinds of musical instruments and how the Chinese musicians traditionally have classified those. Chinese musicians have thought about the nature of musical instruments in a way very differently from Western musicians. And so while we're learning to classify instruments according to the way Western, Western music, musicians and scholars do it, it also would help us to know how Chinese musicians and scholars do it because that opens up a different way of thinking about music. And the more tools we have to think about music, the more we um, can begin to understand about it. Also, I strongly suggest that you download this map. This is the Music 316 Music Culture Areas Study Map. It's available in the Maps section of the website. It's a map of Asia that shows our five main culture areas that we'll be studying. East Asia, over here, including China, Japan, and Korea. And <clears throat> Southeast Asia, down here, including the island countries, Indonesia, the Philippines, um, and some others, and South Asia, down here, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal. Uh, these are, I'm sorry, these two, East Asia and Southeast Asia, and West Asia over here, the Middle East, are the three areas that we'll be covering before the midterm exam. So you'll want to know what part of Asia we're covering. How will you know that? Well, we're going to soon leave China and go on to Korea and Japan. And I'll tell you, we're going on to the next CD, CD number two, Korea and Japan. You look at your map and you say, oh, Korea, Japan, East Asia. And you know that we're still in East Asia. But when we start with Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Burma, Indonesia, Philippines, oh, Southeast Asia. So we're in the second part of the course. And then finally we start with Iraq and Iran and all of these places over here that we read in the newspapers and hear about on TV every day. We know we're in West Asia. And you know the midterm is coming up and then you better really start to get ready for the exam. So it's a very helpful thing to know about this. Yeah. Why is tiger one of the Chinese instruments? 
because it's an instrument. I'll show, I'll show you an instrument that's constructed on the same principle, but basically Tiger is a scraped idiophone made of wood. Uh, no, that would be interesting if you um, um, if you had an actual tiger that, that you were playing music on. Um, uh, wonder how many players you'd need um, to be able to do that. There was actually an Indian tiger that was a very different kind of musical instrument. Um, maybe we have time time to talk about that. There was only one ever made, and it's in a museum in um, London now. The Chinese tiger was was much more popular, more common, um, widely used than than the Indian one. Yeah. The lady in the back had a question at the end of the class. That's right, and I was going to answer that lady's question as soon as I uh, made these preliminary announcements because I think it's very important for um, um, for people to know about what 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 we're covering and what the downloads are for this part of the course because there are quite a few of them, and then there of course there are the two. Um, sets of readings for CD number one, that is the readings on the Chinese chin, which the translator called the lute, um, but is really a zither, of course, as you know, and um, the comparative reading on the piano and its implication in the ivory trade and the slave trade. Now, to the lady's question, what is the contemporary status of the chin? Is it still played only or mainly by government officials? No. Is it still played only or mainly by um, men? Um, that's a little tougher, but no, certainly not only by men. There are women who play the chin, although prob prob probably it's the, um, the, least, um, um, the least gender equal of all the um, traditional instruments still at this stage, and women, women musicians are still more likely to um, choose another instrument than the chin. But yes, yes, there are um, women who play the chin, and it's moving towards a status of, um, of um, gender equality in the Chinese system. This is a worldwide trend in the 21st century, started in the um, 20th century, the opening up of instruments and kinds of music that had previously been restricted by gender to, um, to, pe to people of um, all genders, if not all sexual orientations. But at any rate, the playing of instruments all over the world has become or is becoming much more um, democratic, much more open and free of restrictions than it used to be. And that certainly must be a very good thing for uh, music and for the pe people who um, play and um, listen to music in all cultures because it, it opens a much wider range of human creative potential um, to, um, to, the music, to, to the musical world. Um, the impetus for, um, for looking for that kind of gender equality in the last um, oh, uh, 50, 60, 70 years or so um, has been 
um, coming from different directions. Um, in some parts of the world, it's uh, come from the uh, sort of um, quote-unquote liberal democracy that has um, spread in America and um, Western Europe and out from there into other parts of the world. In some places, um, there has been um, an equal um, sort of um, um, movement that is b based on Marxist um, socialist ideology as in the former um, Soviet Union, uh, the former um, Soviet bloc of nations, um, China and allied nations where um, Marxist, Leninist, uh, Maoist, etc. ideologies uh, produced a greater movement towards, towards equali equality and openness similar to but for somewhat different reasons than the spread for equality and openness um, in music that, uh, that developed in the West. Uh, regardless of the differences between these societies and between the reasons that they have cited to expand the um, to, to expand the eligibility to play instruments, uh, the result has been very similar in most cases in the opening up of previous restrictions to, um, um, to encompass and, 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 and to welcome players of all kinds for all different um, sorts of instruments. Um, but focusing on China, the, um, the great um, um, opening of uh, more um, democratic um, uh, access to musical instruments that had been restricted did come from communist ideology, from the ide ideology originally started by Marx and Lenin in the West and then developed in China into what, um, what was called um, socialism with a Chinese face um, by Mao Zedong and the other leaders of the um, Chinese revolution that, um, um, that established a um, socialist state in China in 1949. Uh, Mao had um, called together a forum on literature and the arts um, uh, about a decade before the revolution that um, established the communist state in China. And um, people from the arts, from art, art and literature, from music, theater, and other performi performing arts had gotten together in the city, city of Yan'an along with philosophers and party politicians and so on to debate and to discuss what, what would be the function of the arts in a new China. And the slogan that came out of that meeting was to serve the people. All art should exist to serve the people, to serve not only the elite, not only to serve the rulers, the emperor, the nobility, the rich, and the powerful, but to serve um, all of the working people, the um, farming people, the ordinary people um, in China as well. And so the goal was to open up 
the arts, to broaden and popularize the arts, and to make them accessible to more and more and more people um, in Chinese society. And that meant not only trying to get more people into uh, performing music, people from every kind of background, so that, for, for instance, an instrument like the chin would not just be um, played by men, but could also be played by women as well, would not just be played by the very smart and talented and um, 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 highly um, promoted um, um, scholars who were um, trained to be government officials, but also by ordinary people living in the cities and villages and so on. You, you would then increase the, the base of performers for the music, but even more so you would increase the audience for the music. And so while back in the old days in traditional China you had the elite scholar bureaucrats who played the chin writing that you should never play this for ordinary people because they wouldn't have the understanding, they wouldn't have the education, they wouldn't have the training in aesthetics and artistic sophistication and sensitivity to be able to understand the music of such a refined instrument. The new regime in China after 1949 said, you've got to play this for as many people as possible. Too many people are living without the music that the only, the elite get to hear and we should open up that music to everybody. And so instead of reserving the music that you played for a small group of your friends who were just as educated and just as elite as you, you would be not only encouraged, but you would be required to go out into public venues, out into the big concert halls, into sometimes stadiums and big places, and you'd play your instrument. Now, the, the sound of the chin is one of the quieter sounds in the musical world. And I've been misleading you in a way by playing the chin as loud as I have in this class. Let's just listen again a little bit. This is what we've been hearing more or less of the chin. This is what you would hear if there were a chin being played. In the room, live, the people up here in the front would hear most of it. Those of you in the back would be craning your necks the way you are now and trying to... What's that? What am I here? The instrument is not made for a big audience or a big room. It's not like this thing with tons of force wound up into those steel strings, the hundreds of steel strings that hold it together and make the sound. It doesn't have that industrial cast iron frame. 
it doesn't have this huge amplifying sound box. It is really an instrument for a small group of people. So how do you play it for a big audience? Well, <clears throat> the players in the era of music to serve the people decided they had to change the chin a little bit. So they took the strings of the chin, which were made of silk, and that's why you can make a sound like that by scraping your fingers, because it's a braided silk cord, and you get a lot of friction from the braids, the weaving of the silk fibers in and out. There's a texture there. If you take metal strings, you can't make that kind of sound, but it gets to be 10 times as loud with metal strings, which can be bigger and heavier and thicker and wound a lot more tightly. So you could take this instrument, put metal strings on it, and easily fill this room. But that's still not serving the people. There's less than 100 of you, even when the Everybody is here for a day. What are you going to do if you want to have your, your um, um, concert in Husky Stadium or in the Tacoma Dome? You guys all know the answer to that. I'm sorry, did you all just come in here from the, from the past by time travel? Is Use the amplifiers. Use some kind of electronic or electromechanical, actually, because the speakers are um, mechanical devices driven by electricity. Use that to fill your, your space. And then you can bring in hundreds, you can bring in thousands of people and crank up the volume and everybody can hear the chain. And this hasn't gone on without controversy, mind you, because some musicians and some lovers of music in China have said all along, but that's not the chin anymore, and that's not the same music anymore. When you turn it up that loud, when you try to make a chin piece into a rock sound or a, a, a rock song or an army marching band um, kind of thing that is loud and blaring and raucous, it doesn't have the subtle, understated humor of wine madness. It doesn't have the beautiful sound of wind whispering in the leaves. It doesn't have the lovely song, sound of birds echoing across a mountain valley. It becomes another big mechanical kind of thing. Yes, go ahead and make other music for big concerts in the stadium, but keep some music for the chin as chamber music, as quiet music for a smaller audience to be loved and appreciated in a different kind of way. So you've had these two tendencies pulling at each other, pulling in different directions in contemporary Chinese society now for several decades, and for a while during the Cultural Revolution, it went pretty much all to the side of make it for the masses, make it bigger, 
make it louder, and so forth and so on. Then you've had the pendulum swing back in the other direction, and people start composing quieter and more intimate pieces for the chin again. Today you find players using metal strings on the chin, and you find players using silk strings on the chin. You find players playing for larger audiences and players for smaller audiences. There's quite a, a variety now, and tastes change, and things go back and forth. Where they will be 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, of course, is as open a question as where any, any other kind of music or any other kind of society will be. We don't know. We can observe the changes and uh, fluctuations and, um, and try to guess, but um, all we know is that everything changes, except the things that don't change, of course, but we never know which is which before it happens. The one thing <coughs> that helps to determine the, the plan of this class, though, is that if you were to start by looking at the contemporary state of the chin in China, it wouldn't help you to understand why the instrument devel developed in the way that it did. Why is the instrument the way that it is? Why was it so highly regarded? Why did people compose the kind of music that they composed for it? Why did it end up being played by a very specific kind of people or group of people in China? Because today, all of those things have changed, and the answer to just about any instrument or any kind of music is pretty much the same. Um, and it doesn't account for the differences that we find for the special and unique kinds of music and instruments and the ways that they fit into people's lives. And sometimes we have to go back into a more or less distant past to find out <coughs> how things developed that way. Why does this instrument have white plastic keys on it? Seems like a very Simple question, oh, because you know, in American music, everything is plastic. No, America, culture, everything is plastic. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Um, but actually, this is not such a simple or innocent question after all. When you start looking at where those plastic keys came from and what they substituted for and what the piano used to be and why it developed the way that it did at a time when people didn't care how many elephants they killed or how many animal species they drove to extinction, or for that matter, how they treated other human beings, whether they enslaved them or murdered them or whatever. That's an awful instance in the story of music, and music isn't always a really nice thing, or at least 100%. So music can, can be caught up in some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, music was caught up in the Chinese examination hell. Music was caught up in the very rigid kind of, of system of social classes that developed 
under the old emperors and under the traditional government of China. And the course does not exist to make you admire the social system of ancient China, even though I may talk about the, um, the system of civil servants, the system of recruiting smart people and um, um, competent, able, hardworking people as a great advance in, uh, form, in, in forms of government in the world. That doesn't mean that Chinese culture didn't have its dark side or many dark sides um, as well as Western culture. And I'm not here to promote any particular kind of culture, neither, neither the old um, Confucian um, ideology of, of Chinese society, nor the new socialist ideology of Chinese society, nor any particular government form or ideology or political movement or religious or philosophical viewpoint. It's just that we need to know about some of those to understand music and to understand why music is the way it is. Because with music, there is always a why. And in many cases, we don't know it or understand it. And in many cases, we have to ask, why should it be this way? Do we have to? Well, it depends. If you're out dancing on Saturday night, you probably don't need to ask too many questions like that. You've got other things in mind, and that's okay. Music has its own reasons for being, at least the people who go to listen to music or to, to dance to music or to play music have many different reasons for doing that. But to any, for anybody who thinks about things in life, for anybody who wants to understand how the world works and how it fits together, then you want to ask why about all kinds of things, including music. And music is one of the uh, doors that opens pathways to a lot of different kinds of understanding because it is so intricately interwoven with so many aspects of human life. And look what we've gotten into so far with just this one instrument and um, this one kind of music that ties in with politics and government, with um, social classes, with social mobility, upward mobility in the Chinese social system, with religion and philosophy and all kinds of different things. And we've barely begun to scratch the surface with that. So <clears throat> let's look again at the chin. And so far we've looked at it mainly in Western terms. We've looked at it as a kind of instrument that uses a particular method of producing sound so that it doesn't get, um, doesn't get air blown into it. You could do that. Doesn't seem to do very much. Doesn't get played by percussion, or I don't have another chin to smash together here, concussion, but I can guarantee you that wouldn't um, be very great either. It doesn't have any membranes. You can't play the membranes. So it does have 
strings, so we know it's a chordophone and it doesn't have a neck or yoke or arms, just the body of the instrument and the strings, so we know it's a zither and so forth and so on. So we've been looking at, um, at technical features of the instrument. Let's look at it the way a Chinese musician from a traditional background would have looked at it. <clears throat> This is heaven, and this is earth. The heavens arch above us, overhead, forming a circle, an arch or a dome. The earth is flat under our feet. These are the sun and the moon the planets, and the stars. When you hold this instrument, you hold not just the world in your hands, you hold the universe in your hands. But like the universe, it's not quite that simple because there are more dimensions to the world and the universe than just the physical bodies, the heavens, the earth, the planets, the sun, and moon, and stars. This is the <coughs> dragon pond. This smaller one is the phoenix pool. <coughs> Let's see if we've got a working pen here today. Dragon Pond, Phoenix Pool. If you don't know Phoenix, Phoenix is the bird in Greek mythology that when it gets burned up, it rises again from its own ashes. The dragon, of course, breathes fire. Dragon is master of fire, the phoenix is the opposite of fire, the one that gets burned, but then comes back to life and flies again. And they are embodiments of yin and yang, light and dark, hot and cold, male and female, all of the different polarities, the different binary forces that animate the universe, that keep the world alive and keep it moving and keep it changing from one state to the next. They are the vital principles that keep the motor of the world turning, if you want to think of it that way. And in a way, that is a kind of a Taoist version of the Chin, because Taoism um, places a particular stress on the natural world and what it is that makes up the natural world and the polarities, the opposites, the binaries that animate the natural world and that we have to harmonize 
to keep it going. How about the Confucian elements? Okay, we're missing a lot of strings here. Some of you may be able to see that this string is thicker than this one, and this is thicker than this one. And as we go toward this side of the instrument, the strings get thinner. The thickest one on this side, which is missing right now, is the emperor. And the second thickest one is the prime minister under the emperor. And the next one is the other ministers. And the next one is the generals of the army. The next one is the... <clears throat> the um, important people in the community, the, um, um, the um, basic, basically the rich and powerful people. The next one after that is um, um, merchants, business people, farmers, etc. Down on the very thinnest one of the strings is the ordinary people, the common people, the poor people who make up the population, including women and children. And you have, you have to have all of them to make the instrument work. You can't play the music with just the thickest string or the thinnest string. You have to have all of these strings working together to make music, just like you have to have all of the people working to be together to make a society, to make a country. You can't have a country that just has an emperor or a king or a president because that person won't be able to do anything by themselves. You can't just have high officials. You can't just have a military leader. You can't just have the rich and powerful. You need all those others, the businessmen, the farmers, the ordinary people, the poor people as well, all of them to make your country work. But you can't just have the ordinary people to make the country work either. You need the people with power. You need the people with uh, wealth and so, and so forth and so on. All of those have to work together to, um, to make a, a working society. This is the Confucian philosophical side of the Qin. Confucianism is a religion slash philosophy um, that takes society as a model, but that society extends in symbolic directions, so that the emperor becomes the equivalent of the sun and the <coughs> ordinary people become the equivalent of the smaller bodies in the sky and different people fall, fall into different um, status. So society on the one hand is a reflection of the universe, of the macrocosm of the greater world. On the other hand, 
Society is a reflection of the microcosm, which is the family. The parents are the emperor, and the members of the family, in order of seniority, in order of their status, correspond to the different classes of people and to the different classes of heavenly bodies. Society is homologous to the family on the smallest scale, homologous to the universe on the largest scale. Everything is a reflection of everything else. And so the highest duty of anyone is to praise their parents and to praise their ancestors, the parents of their parents, to worship them, to think about them, to make offerings to them, and to pattern one's life after them, because they are the givers of life and the givers of one's position in the family and in the social world, therefore ultimately in the universe. Just as there are yearly ceremonies to worship the emperor and to bring society, all of its elements, into harmony with the emperor, so also there must be ceremonies to worship one's parents and ancestors to bring the family into harmony with one another. And so you can think of the Confucian religious ideology that underlies the symbolism of the Qin as being kind of the ultimate family values system because everything becomes a reflection or a reflector of the family, the nature and structure of the family. And so everything that you do in playing the chin is a reflection on what you do in your family and what you do in society. Everything that you do in your family is a reflection of where you are in society and what you do playing with chin. It all fits together. And so this is one reason why the music of the chin traditionally is considered as having a very deep and profound meaning because it gives you an opportunity to reflect on the nature of society, on the nature of your own country and your place within it on the one hand, the nature of your family, your place within that and within the human race in general. It's a very philosophical, very reflective kind of instrument. Now this is why you see that the Qin players of olden times did not want to have anything to do with Buddhism. I mentioned yesterday that they embraced the ideologies of Confucianism and Taoism, but they didn't want to have anything to do with Buddhism. And why was that? Because Buddhism, from the time of its founder, Shakyamuni Buddha, about 500 years BC, was based on a different form of religious life, a 
kind of religious life where people would leave their homes and leave their families and go to live in monasteries or the female version of monasteries, nunneries. You would have all male communities on the one hand or all female communities on the other hand living apart from ordinary society, apart from families, apart from social and political and economic obligations and apart from the obligations that knit fathers and mothers and children together in the family so that they could spend all of their time and all of their energy practicing religion. And can you imagine how somebody who is totally devoted to Confucian philosophy would relate to this? Oh, my God. They would say, these people are not living with their families. How are they going to have children? They're living in separate male and female communities. How are they possibly going to have children? And if they don't have children, how will there be any families? How will there be any fathers and mothers for their sons and daughters to worship? And how will there be ancestors to remember? And how will there be more generations of children to hold the family together? And if the family doesn't hold together, what will happen to society? Society as we know it, the world as we know it, China as we know it, will crumble and fall apart and disintegrate. This is not a religion. This is some teaching from hell that is, or from India that has come in to China to destroy Chinese society. And so the Qin players, the members of the government, the elite, the Confucianists, all rejected Buddhism and said, we're not going to have anything to do with Buddhism. And it wasn't until 2,000 years later, well, um, maybe 1,600 years, 1,700 years later, that a few Qin players started to say, well, gee, you know, these Buddhists have some pretty nice music. And um, um, I don't know if, the, if Buddhism as a religion is good or bad, but I'm going to play some Buddhist music on the Qin and not tell anybody that's what I'm doing. And so you had this underground movement of people starting to play Buddhist music on the chin. And this is the next thing then that we want to look into for this class, is the change in Chinese society when a new religion and a new way of thinking and new kinds of music come into the society. So we'll get on with that tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, bring your chart of the eight sounds, the eight kinds of Chinese musical instruments. And we'll um, have a look at that. And you can see a little bit more about how Chinese musicians thought about their instruments and what, what they meant. <laughs>